Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose, going to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? Uh, Today is uh, technically, it's a Wednesday, and uh, you're probably expecting this to be a book club episode. Um, When I uh, got off the mic yesterday, not yesterday, but last week uh, on the last book club episode, I expected this Wednesday to be a book club episode as well. Um, In that amount of time, myself and uh my uh producer on the back end brett hart and some other people that i've been talking to um we've been stewing on this idea of a different type of podcast and i'll get in that uh, get into that later not a different type of podcast but um a different series that i think that we're going to uh pursue uh i do want to go ahead and wrap up blood meridian just by saying that uh, if you listen to the podcast thank you um that one was really really tough to do if you were able to get through it and uh um, if you listen to it, I really appreciate you listening to it and listening, listening to the whole thing. Uh, reading out loud is very hard for me, especially when the, uh, the characters don't speak proper English, uh, because I already don't. So when their English is worse than mine, it it just gets bad. Um, I really did my best to make sure that you got my thoughts out of that book and what I thought was important in that book. Uh, it's a really, really good book. And I, I read a couple essays on it, uh, between last Wednesday and today and, you know, one of the main things that uh, I didn't really take out of it, but um, just because I was a little blinded and and honestly uh, shell shell shocked, I guess, by the book in general. Um, but I read an essay today by it's it's a guy on Substack called Astral Flight Simulator. Um, kind of a weird name, but um, he does. I don't even really know what he does. I guess philosophy, history type, um, psychology podcasts, uh, talks about current events, talk about historical events. Um, you can find him on Astle, uh, Astle, <laughs> on Asshole Podcast, uh, Apple, Apple Podcast. Um, go hit him up there. Go follow him. Uh, this idea comes directly from the, uh, the essay that I read from him on Blood Meridian. Um, so I'm just going to share that with you. Uh, and kind of give you my thoughts on it. Basically, um, the idea is that, you know, you have these violent men out running around uh, aimlessly, and we kind of talked about how they have no point, how they just kind of wander um, killing people. Like, there is no purpose in the book. There's no, like, plot in the book. Um, and I, I thought that there was a purpose to that, but I didn't really know what it was. And if you look at the time period, having, having historical context is, uh, is really important to reading that book and almost to any book, really. Uh, that's something that I'm not very good at and not very versed at as history. And I didn't completely didn't even think about trying to read these books and get something out of them. Um, but if you look at that, it's, it's wrapping up, um, the period of the American West. So basically what, uh, I I guess I'll call him astral, uh, or fly, I'll call him flight, (laughs) flight simulator, astral flight simulator. Um, I I don't know his actual name. I don't, I think he's completely anonymous, but, uh, beside the point, um, what he said is, I think I believe by 1850, there was no unsettled land in, uh, America. And, you know, the ending of the book is in, I believe 1848, uh, when the kid gets killed. So, or the man rather. 
uh, when the man gets killed. Basically, what Cormac McCarthy was trying to do in that novel was uh, give a depiction of the wrapping up of the American West, uh, the American frontier. And something that didn't hit me but hit Mr. Astral Flight Simulator was uh, the fact that uh, civilizations... um, there's never been a civilization that did not have, um, I guess, a violent start. Basically, in order to have these institutions uh, that we hold dear in our American society, we had to have violence to, to get them. We had to have the Revolutionary War. Uh, we had to have the Mexican-American War. We had to have the Indian-American War. Uh, all of these all of these spurts of violence uh were necessary to create the institutions that now make us civilized. It's this idea that um, men of war are always needed to create peace. Uh, it's kind of like the what I, I'm going to mess up the meme, but strong men uh, create good times. Good times create weak men. It, it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, hard men's hard times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Uh, good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Basically, that's that's kind of the idea: is that uh, these aimless men, you know, however violent and disgusting, and um, they weren't noble at all. But it's it's this depiction that uh, violence must always precede peace. Uh, you know, chaos. Violence is necessary, and this is a a direct quote from him that I'm having trouble quoting. Uh, Violence is necessary to pull uh, order out of chaos. Uh, And when you think about that, it it really, really makes sense. And I think that's what uh, McCarthy was trying to display is that, you know, we as human beings, we are extraordinarily, extraordinarily violent at the base level. This is something that Martyr Maid goes over is that all animals um, are just extraordinarily, extraordinarily violent by nature. Um, The world nature or world mother nature is violent. All of it is violent. I mean, you know, look at that uh, that Instagram page called Nature is Metal. And all it is is just other animals just ripping each other apart. Uh, you know, humans would be like that uh, if we hadn't uh, found better systems to... Uh, better systems to, um, I guess, utilize that violent part of our brains and our beings in a different way. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm not really smart enough to go over all this stuff... Uh, in extreme depth, like Martyr Maid is. Martyr Maid covers this very, very well. I believe uh, his podcast, which is free to the public, it's not even in Spotify, uh, How to Serve Man, it talks about uh, human cannibalism and ritual sacrifice and cannibalism and this idea that, uh, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but the world is violence. It's it's all a shit show. I mean, everybody is is eating everybody, uh, and humans would be like that had they not come up with a mechanism uh, to substitute something else for that violence. Uh, you know, he had a quote in there that I thought was really good: is that you know, outside of plants who eat sunlight and nutrients, and you know, chemotrophs that take you know nutrients from the chemicals in the earth. Those are the only two things that are excluded from this rule, but the rule is that life eats life. And when he said that, that's a direct martyr made quote, that life eats life. That was that was pretty insane to me. And I think what McCarthy is trying to do in Blood Meridian is is demonstrate that humans are not that far from the lions and, you know, mountain lions that uh, you know, mountain lions and predators, wolves, whatever, you know, bears that go out and just demolish uh, life, you know, everything, their path is just 
caked with blood. I mean, they're just eating things all the time. And if it's not living beings, like if it's not a living being, like what we think about a living being, it's plants, you know, plants are still life. Like that, that is life. Um, so life eats life. And I think what McCarthy is trying to do here is, is demonstrate that, uh, all the civility that you think you have, all of these, uh, these institutions, these structures that you think you have, uh, they were forged and created by violent, violent men that went out into the frontier, didn't know what they were getting into, um, and just absolutely pulled, uh, to use astral flight order out of chaos. And they did it with violence, which is the only way that really that can be done, whether it's with, you know, the terrain, um, whether you're fighting mother nature and plants and, you know, natural disasters, things like that, uh, or the animals that are in that area or the peoples that have already been settled in that area that may not be nearly as civilized as you, much like the American Indian, um, they weren't as civilized as, as what we were. And, and that's just a fact. And that may get me in trouble, but it is, it is what it is. Um, and no way do I think that the killing was right. And no way do I think that it was noble and no way do I think that it was moral, but in order for our society and civilization to spread and to have the world that we have now, um, violence had to be done. And it's always been like that in order to have civility, even among animal populations, violence must be done. And uh, we seem to have forgotten that. And I think that was McCarthy's point in the book. And again, this all goes completely to Martyr Maid and Astral Flight Simulator, whatever they are, whatever his name is. I think that's what it is. Um, this this all goes to them, and they're well worth the listen. Uh, those are the podcasts I listen to. I listen to. I don't listen to many podcasts. I really don't. Um, I listen to the big guys. I listen to Andy Frazella. I listen to Jocko. Um, I listen to this podcast, obviously to make sure that the recordings and stuff are good and to get reels out of the podcast. But, um, I really don't listen to podcasts all that much. And when I do, it's like Andy Frazella, Jocko. Um, I listen to a few hunting podcasts occasionally, just one outdoors. I actually do, uh, like their podcast and I listen, uh, to theirs quite a bit. Uh, and then, uh, martyr Maid, and then now astral flight simulator. Those two guys are, are really doing good stuff. Um, they really put this stuff in a different perspective and they do a lot, a lot of research to, uh, bring you the content that they have. So that kind of wraps up blood Meridian and is just another take on what you might be getting from, uh, what you might get from the book. Um, let's talk about the book club. We are not moving forward with the weekly book club, uh, the monthly book club, like what I, what I planned on doing. Uh, the reason number one, I have an idea that we'll talk about in a second that I think is going to be much better suited to my audience uh, and provide a lot more benefit per minute of recording than than the book club is right now. Number two, it is a lot of work. Uh, I think I underestimate, even though you told me, yes, I know you're sitting out there and you're listening to this and you say, I told you, I told you it was going to be so much work. Yeah, I get it. Um, I thought I could do it. Uh, I still could do it. I mean, I was doing it with, with Blood Meridian. Blood Meridian was incredibly hard, and I could do it for other books, nonfiction books, but um, it was still a lot of work to really, uh, especially this fiction stuff, it was a lot of work to bring you um, the benefit that I, that to bring you the content that I thought would actually benefit you. I didn't want to just review the book. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that you got something out of the book um, that you may have missed or uh, 
you know, put in the real work on the book to make sure that you're learning the lessons from it, not just reading through it. Uh, I wanted to do that and I want to do that for fiction and I still want to do that eventually. But the work that is required for that is a lot. And I don't think, um, it has nothing to do with, Oh, I wasn't getting many, many listeners. I don't care about that. I, I still, I don't look at the numbers. Um, I do not look at the numbers on this podcast. Uh, the one time I did, it was because I had to look, I had to delete an episode and I still couldn't even tell you how many downloads I have. Um, I intentionally ignored it because I want my content, uh, to be curated based off of what I, uh, the problem that I'm trying to solve, not how many people listen to it. Um, if I only have three listeners for the rest of the life of this podcast, uh, which I don't think is going to happen, then, then so be it. As long as I think that I'm trying to solve the problem, uh, that I've, I've got in front of me. Um, so it wasn't because nobody was listening to it, uh, that I don't think it's going to provide the value that it needs. It's just simply because I don't think that many of you are reading at all. <laughs> uh, my, my goal was that, you know, people would pick up the book and, uh, and I know I need to keep doing it and we will keep doing it, but uh, this will be the one, two, three. I think this was Blood Meridian was the fourth book club I ran. I believe it may only be the third. Uh, I believe it was the fourth book club that I ran. Uh, and still uh, my participation uh, from what I know. And again, there may be you out there that are listening to this, but from the people that I know around me that I talk about the podcast with, my participation was very, very minimal. Um, some of them didn't even listen to the podcast. Uh, so again, not that I'm upset. I don't care about the numbers. I just want to make sure that my time is best spent solving the problem that I'm trying to solve. And, uh, I don't think that the book club is the way to do that right now. I think that it has a lot of value. It will have a lot of value. Um, but doing it weekly and devoting all of that time to it, uh, right now, I just don't think is, is what I need to be doing, especially, uh, especially now that we have this other idea that we're going to be working on. That being said, we will have a book club. Uh, whether it be quarterly, whether whether it be, um, you know, every four months, once a year, we will have a book club. Uh, and all the Pretty Horses and Lonesome Dove will be on that book club because I told you that I would review them. And I know people that have bought those books uh, because I was going to review them. wasn't many. Uh, but I know people that bought those books because I was going to review them. And you will have a Lonesome Dove book club uh, before the end of the year. Uh, it will happen before the end of the year. I don't know if it's going to be monthly. I don't know if it's going to be one big long episode. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but we will have a book club and all the pretty horses and lonesome dove will be free, uh, a book club. That's another thing is that eventually I want to start, um, creating exclusive content for, for the hardcore listeners. I think it's important to, um, to put content out there, uh, in order to be able to do more content. Um, yeah, behind a paywall in order to be able to do more content. Books are expensive. Uh, the harder books are to get, the, the more money they cost. Uh, I want to be able to fully do that and and be funded on that. I want to be get you better audio quality. I want to get you better video. Um, I want to be able to do more things uh, to help solve the problem that I'm trying to solve. Now, again, guys, I'm not... <laughs> If I put something behind a paywall, let's say I put book club behind a paywall, it will be number one, really minimal. Um, it won't be that much at all. And it may be by the, by the book. Um, that may be what I do is just put a certain price on 
the book club for that. Uh, but it's not so that I can make money. I promise you right now, uh, I am, I am at a complete and total loss. <laughs> I've made $0 off of this. Uh, and it would take like at least 400 people subscribing to a book club by the time it actually paid off, uh, for what I'm trying to do. And that may be eventually an option, but when you hear, oh, he's already trying to make money off this shit, um, I'm not going to be making a dime. I'm just trying to help cover some of the books and stuff like that uh, if we do put it behind the paywall. And again, all the pretty horses and Lonesome Dove, that they will be they will be free. Not going to put anything behind a paywall anytime soon. It'll probably be next year if we even decide to do that. I don't know that we will. Um, but uh, that being said, what is going to take the place? You're not going to lose your Wednesday episode. I, I made it a point that if I'm delivering content two times a week, you're going to get content two times a week. You're not going to lose your Wednesday episode. So that brings up the question, what are we going to do? I know you're all waiting in anticipation. Uh, I had this idea after after the uh, episode with Cade Carter. I believe it's episode 26, One Flesh, where we discussed marriage. Um, that was probably one of the best podcasts that I've done. I want to say it's probably that one, maybe Clint Walker, uh, out of the best podcasts that I've had. Uh, Drew Perkins is up there. But what I want to do is I want to take that that marriage podcast and I want to make that a series. I, I don't see really anybody, um, especially not anybody, how do I put this? Uh, if you go and listen to any marriage-specific podcast, I think you're going to find... Um, a whole lot of religious platitudes and um, focus on, uh, you know, godly religious marriage, which is 100% perfect. Like, that is fine. 100%. That That is okay. I go to church now. Um, a lot of my views are based on the Bible. I'm learning more about it every day. I'm enjoying it more every day. I am a Christian. Not saying that's a bad thing. But what I don't see out there is a practical everyday every man's podcast on marriage giving you um, understandable solutions backed by not only real world experience but yes christian values i don't think i'm gonna have a guest on the podcast that is not a christian <laughs> i mean i might but i'm just saying that's you know these people that do marriage well they are christians so you're you're probably better off um listening to what christians have to say about marriage that's what I'm saying is that I'm not going to exclude Christianity or religion from it. Uh, but I do think that I'm going to approach it from a more, uh, not practical, but a, a more approachable point of view, especially for the young men that I'm trying to help. Um, we're going to talk about everyday circumstances and yes, there will be Bible verses thrown in there. There will be Bible verses thrown in there by me. I don't know why I'm getting hung up on this other than the fact that I mentioned that I don't think you're going to find marriage podcasts outside of outside of the Christian-based podcast. Uh, so that's why I'm, I'm really trying to fill a need because um, I don't see many people doing that, specifically on marriage. The closest that I can think of is Order of Man to where occasionally their stuff borders on marriage. I want to dive deep into marriage on a weekly basis. Uh, we're going to pick hyper-specific topics and we're going to discuss them and I'm going to discuss them with different people. Um, that's another feature that we're going to have on this One Flesh pod, uh, One Flesh. Uh, series. That's what we're going to call the series is One Flesh. We have, you know, the Purpose Podcast, which is the guest series, the guest podcast. Uh, we're going to have the Purpose Podcast One Flesh, and that's going to be uh, this marriage series. 
I'm going to have repeat uh, repeat guests. I'm going to have guests on that you're going to get to know and enjoy. And hopefully a couple times a year, we're going to have a full panel of guests, of three or four guests that uh, come to discuss uh, discuss marriage. And, you know, maybe even some of those might be live streams. Maybe we might... Uh, you know, do a little hangout with some of these guests. Maybe you might get to be an audience in that, or maybe you might get to come and ask live questions for of those guys. There's a lot of ways that this can go. Um, I may even have, since it is about marriage, I may even have some women on the podcast. Shocker. I know. Um, I'm still scared to talk to them, so I don't know how I'm going to do that. Maybe Brett will run those episodes. Um, I don't know. I'm deathly afraid of women. So, um, that's a joke, but, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of opportunities with this and I really, really want to dial in on that. Um, dial in on marriage because I see a lot of guys struggling with it in my immediate, in my immediate circle. I see a lot of guys struggling with it, including myself. This is not going to be me preaching to you. I've said this a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand times more. It's not going to be me preaching to you. Will I have valuable things to say about marriage? I think so. Uh, ideally, you're going to get way more from the guests that I have on. Uh, they're going to talk about marriage. I'm going to have guys on here that have been married for eight years, 10 years, 33 years, 50 years. Um, that's who I want to get. That's that's who I want to have talking to you guys about marriage. Do Like I said, do I think I have valuable things to say about marriage? Yes. Will there be some solo episodes until I get guests slated up? Yes. Uh, it's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about marriage. I will tell you what I think. I will never hold back on what I think about marriage, uh, but I will always make sure that you have more valuable, more value um, out of these podcasts than just what I have to say, because I've only been married for two years now. Okay. I get it. I don't know why you would listen to me <laughs> on marriage unless you're just not even married yet. And then I have something to offer you because I've got a little bit of experience. Um, I am of slightly above average intelligence. Maybe I might be average. Um, I want you to get opinions from other dudes and I'm working very hard on that. Uh, I've got some lined up. I've already got some lined up. I'm still working hard to get more lined up and to get you weekly marriage content, uh, date. And this is not just going to be marriage. This is going to be dating. Uh, this is going to be all the things that encompass uh, man and woman becoming one. This is going to have to do with kids. Uh, you know, I'm not a dad yet, so I don't have much to offer in the way of children, uh, you know, of advice about children, but other people do other people have kids and I'm going to have them on. This is all about how do man, woman come together, make baby, raise baby. This is what this is going to be. It could almost even be considered a family podcast, but the family has to start with the marriage. And so that's where we're going to start right now. Um, I'm super excited about this guys. I am really, really, really excited about this. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, I think it's going to have a lot more impact, especially over the book club for the time being. I think the book club is going to be a little bit something, a little bit of something extra. Uh, I think this is where the value is really going to be found. So in order to actually get you content, instead of just a 22 long, 22 minute long announcement video and book club wrap up, I had an idea and I did this right before, uh, I had this idea right before I went to record. Um, Dylan and I, when we got married, we did our own vows. So we did the thing where we said the the normal vows at the at the ceremony, and we didn't read our personal vows in front of everybody. 
uh, <laughs> part of the reason not to throw D. Ellen under the bus is that neither of us had any doubt in our minds that if she had to read her uh, her close personal vows um, in front of everybody, that she would just be a blubbering mess. Um, I knew that I could do it, and I I had no problem. Um, you know, reading them to her and my cousin was out there with us. Uh, she had to hold the umbrella cause it was raining when we were reading our vows. Um, actually I think she may have videoed it or something. I don't know. Uh, taking pictures, but, um, <laughs> that's why we didn't read them in front of everybody. Uh, even though I think they were probably good enough, but, uh, you know, to read in front of everybody and it would have been good to read them in front of everybody. Uh, we had absolutely no confidence in DLN's ability to do that. When I say we, I mean, we, um, so we read them separately. Uh, and we really put a lot of effort into those vows. I don't know if she looked up vows, like common vows. I didn't really look up the vows. Uh, I was very kind of lax on doing them. Um, but we read our own vows to one another and then we did the standard, uh, Christian vows in, in the ceremony. Uh, my idea for this episode was to read those vows. I haven't read these. So I, I read them before the podcast, uh, but I hadn't, I, I should have waited, but I was not confident in my handwriting or even what I said, uh, in the vows. So I wanted to make sure and read them before I actually put a mic in front of my face, uh, to read them. But I hadn't read them in two years, uh, did not go back and read them. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people say their vows and never think about them again. And that's part of the issue that we're trying to solve. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to read the vows that I made, uh, to, DLN, and I don't even know what vows means. Uh, maybe it's like a synonym for promise, I guess. Uh, but I'm going to go and read what I read to DLN the day that we got married. Um, and I'm going to comment on what things I'm doing well, what things I'm not doing well, uh, and how it's going to get better, and just kind of give you an example of um, what my vows looked like. And and yeah, I think it's going to be good. So. Anyway, um, we'll go ahead and start. You know, I don't read well out loud. Please give me grace. Um, <laughs> D. Ellen, what can I say? Five years. Five years of ups, five years of downs. When we started dating, I had no idea that we would be here, but now I can't imagine being anywhere else. We are about to make a big commitment, and I am beyond excited to be your husband. Before we do, I want to make a few promises that I will strive to keep. I am not perfect. I will falter, fail, and fall short. However, I'm making these promises to you in hopes that you will hold me accountable and help me when I stumble. These are in no order and all are equally important. I promise to love you unconditionally. It is easy to love through the ups, but I promise to love you through the downs, the struggles, trials, and tribulations. My love will be steady. Two, I promise to always be your safe space. I will always be there when you need help, support, or simply someone to listen. I will do my best to make sure my arms are open no matter the storm we find ourselves in. Three, I promise that I will come to you first. When things get when things get rough and I need help, you will always be the first place that I go. Number four, I promise to keep myself healthy and make sure that this body, which is now yours as well, stays capable and in good health. Number five, I promise to make decisions for us, not me. I will hold both of our opinions, interests, and desires equal when making big decisions. Number six, I promise to secure our future the best I can. I will maintain savings, retirement, life insurance, and all the other things that will keep us afloat during hard times. That one's hard to read. (laughs) Um, Number seven, I promise to protect you in every way that I know how, whether it be emotionally or physically. I promise to always do my best to never let you get hurt. Number eight, 
I promise to always take the pictures. This sounds silly, but it means more than that. I promise to do all the things you value that I may not. I promise to value those things like you do and do them with a full heart. Lastly, I ask you to hold me accountable to these eight promises and never let me stray from our commitment. I am so excited for this next adventure and so grateful that it will be with you. I love you, Haas. So that is uh, what I told her that I would do and the promise that I made on our wedding day. Um, I intend to fully keep these promises. When I made these promises, I made them with the intent to keep them. I remember writing these. uh, It's kind of funny. Um, I actually wrote these at about midnight, um, not the day before the wedding, two days before the wedding. Thank you. Um, We were in Fort Worth. Uh, My buddy Caston and I had to go get Ethan. These are both my groomsmen. Uh, Ethan was getting off a plane. And of course, wouldn't you know, uh, not the day before the wedding, but two days before the wedding, Ethan's plane would get delayed two hours, um, which is fun. So uh, Cass and I didn't know that until we drove into Fort Worth. So uh, we actually went and found some like pizza bar or something like that. It was a pizza place with a bar next to it. Uh, Cast and went into the bar and I went out into his uh, Hyundai something or other. I don't remember Toyota Corolla, something like that. Uh, and wrote these vows. Uh, I think I got all of them done uh, in that period, but this was two days before the wedding. I was tired as hell. Uh, and honestly, I was shocked at, um, I was shocked because these are decent, not to, not to toot my own horn, but, or pat myself on the back, but these are, these are really decent. I did not think they were this good when I, when I went, to, when I went to open them up today, I was kind of scared at what I was going to get. I was like, what did, what did, you know, two years ago, what did that asshole write two years ago? What did that asshole write on a, on a piece of paper? Um, but these are, these are pretty solid. Um, I want to go through them one by one and just kind of talk about them. What, what I was thinking at the time, what, how I've done on that, how I intend to do on that. Uh, number one, I promise to love you unconditionally. It is easy to love through the ups, but I promise to love, love you through the downs, the struggles, trials, and tribulations. Uh, my love will be steady. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, obviously I could do better on all of those. Uh, that is something that I have improved on though, that I think we both have improved on is instead of, you know, giving grace when we have bad times, when we have hard times, uh, Dylan and I, when we did have our our rare little arguments, we would kind of shut down. If even for a few hours, we would kind of shut down. Um, and I would not want to really talk to her at all, uh, which, you know, still happens, but, uh, I think we're doing better on that front and we'll continue to get better. Uh, number two, I almost, I promise to always be your safe space. I'll always be there when you need help, support, or simply someone to listen. I will do my best to make sure my arms are open no matter the storm we find ourselves in. Uh, yeah, that one that one's pretty solid. I, I hate the word safe space in there. Um, I said I would not change the wording and the, and the punctuation and all that crap uh, when I read them because I wanted it to be as close to original as what it was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what I'm saying here is that uh, anytime she needs help or support, I, I promise not to turn her away for that help. Um, you know, safe space, of course, just like everything, the left has completely ruined that. Um, but anyway, I, I think I've done that somewhat well. Uh, I don't really listen extremely well when she likes to vent. I don't really put up well with the uh, the venting, even though that I do, even though I do plenty myself. Um, I don't always vent to her, but I vent to other people. So uh, that one is one that I've been striving to get better on uh, is, you know, listening when she needs to vent and 
helping her kind of figure out <laughs> what is uh what is event worthy uh, has been a struggle and me me trying to figure out that not everything needs to be event worthy to me as long as it is to her uh number three i promise that i will come to you first when things get rough and i need help you will always be the first place i go uh that one i, I do okay on that one i've been doing better on that one uh, it depends on kind of how you define rough, <laughs> rough and needing help. She's not always the first person I go to when I have like, uh, certain issues. You know, I like to talk to my buddy Ethan or my buddy Brett, uh, when I have certain problems that need solved. Uh, but I think, you know, the implication for number three is that, uh, making sure that, um, my emotions and the things that are, that belong to her will stay with her when I really need help. Uh, I'm not going to run to, to somebody else on an issue that, uh, needs to go to her first. And I think I've done pretty okay on that. Uh, and obviously we'll plan to do better. Uh, number four, I promise to keep myself healthy and make sure that this body, which is now yours as well, stays capable and in good health. Um, one thing I wish I would have worded a little bit better here is obviously I, I can't make sure that my body stays, uh, in good health like i can do my best but uh diseases happen and we all know that um i don't know it's it's a good line but uh you know i don't know what i could have said different there and i don't i don't think i need to really say i don't i especially don't think i need to edit it but uh i think i've done really well in this one this is the one that i'll give myself an a plus on on uh in the two years since we have uh since we got married um I'll actually pat myself on the back on that one. I promise to keep myself healthy and make sure that this body, which is now yours as well, stays capable and in good health. Uh, talking to myself, you're doing okay on that one. You're doing you're doing pretty well on that one. Um, since the wedding, I, I was probably close to my heaviest at the wedding, uh, at like 334 pounds. Uh, since then, I'm now I weighed in at 277 uh, yesterday, which is what I think it's like 59 pounds or something like that. I don't know. Um, so 57 pounds, maybe, uh, number five, I promise to make decisions for us, not me. I will hold both of our opinions, interests, desire, and desires equal when making big, big decisions. Uh, I give myself a pass on that one. Um, you know, she can tell me if I'm doing, she can tell me if, if I'm correct on that one, but I think that I'm, I'm doing pretty well on that. Uh, you know, what big decisions have we made since we got married? Uh, we had the house beforehand. Um, yeah, we didn't, I mean, a couple job changes, uh, and I think those were pretty, those are pretty good. Some of the stuff that I spend my money on isn't always geared towards us, but we'll get to that here in a sec. Um, I think I've done pretty well on that. I think in the future, what I probably need to do is, uh, just make sure on these big decisions that instead of telling her what I think I'm going to do, uh, she's always she's how do I say this without sounding like an asshole um because I know what I mean and I know I'm not an asshole I just want to say it without sounding like one uh she's a she's a really really good follower and if you know anything about leadership uh you know that being a good follower is probably more important than being a good leader uh it honestly is and that's how you become a good leader is by being a good follower uh following other people's plans uh and she does that really really well uh almost almost a little bit too much sometimes uh, sometimes I need a little bit more pushback than what I get from her uh, and I think in order to do number five better make decisions for us not me uh, probably what I need to do and I did this today with Brett and I felt like an asshole when I did it is instead of going to her when we uh, 
when I have something that, that needs to be done or a big decision to make and saying, this is what I'm thinking. Uh, what do you think? Instead going and saying, this is the situation we're in. How do you think we need to do this? And then making my decision based off of what she says. Uh, that's a much better way. Yeah. If you're in any leadership position or a husband, um, that's a much better way to really gauge their true thoughts on something is don't put your opinion out there first. And I do that a little bit too much cause I'm excited to talk about my opinion. So uh, that's probably how I'll do better on, on number five. I'll do my best to, to do that. Number six, uh, the hard one. <laughs> I promise to secure our future the best I can. I will maintain savings, retirement, life insurance, and all the other things that would keep us afloat during hard times. Uh, oof. Big oof. Um, I make good money uh, <laughs> as far as savings, retirement, life insurance. I have life insurance. Uh, I have a retirement. I actually... This is rather embarrassing. Um, I haven't put anything into retirement since I got this new job, and uh, that kind of sucks. And it started as I had a plan to uh, put it into like HSA or something, and it just never got done. I was going to do something different. Instead of putting 10% into retirement like I did at, at Pantex, um, I was going to put like 6% and get the match from my current company and then put the rest in like an HSA account or something like that. Uh and in in trying to figure that out, I just never got it done, and I need to get it done. So uh, I'm not doing very well on, on number six, not at all. Uh, you know, I will maintain savings. I don't maintain savings very well. <laughs> um, I've got a lot of my shit together. Uh, I do think a lot of different things well. Maintaining savings is not one of them. Um, I have a lot of things going on. We've talked about this multiple times. The podcast, bow hunting, uh, we eat well. Um, yeah, I don't do very well maintaining savings. I could do a lot better maintaining savings uh, in retirement. So, oof. Uh, yeah, that one will get better. That one will get better. Uh, number seven, I promise to protect you in every way that I know how, whether it be emotionally or physically. I promise to do my best to never let you get hurt. Uh, well, she's still breathing, so, you know, um, <laughs> I think I'm doing pretty well. Uh, no, I, I think that one... Uh, that one is, is is well said. I think I've done pretty well on that one. I think since we've got married, I even taught her how to carry a gun and how to shoot a gun. So I think I'm doing pretty well on that. You know, moving forward, uh, this emotionally helping protect her emotionally. Um, that's something that her and I have been working on. Uh, her, her emotions are mystical and I don't understand them. Um, I think, you know, the way I can't protect her emotionally if I don't understand her emotions. Uh, so maybe just trying to do a little bit better to understand what she's feeling. And, uh, I don't really know what I, what I meant by protected emotionally, just maybe making sure that, um, you know, sticks and stones may break her bones, but words will never hurt her. Maybe that kind of thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, I can do better in that aspect. Number eight, I promise to always take the pictures. This sounds silly, but it means more than that. I promise to do all the things you value that I may not. I promise to value those things like you do and do them with a full heart. Uh, yeah, I'm not great at that one. Um, and this is kind of funny. I, I don't really like taking pictures, uh, especially when it's like a random day. So, for example, we went to a hockey game the other day. Uh, she wanted to take selfies. And I'm telling you, I don't, I don't do very well on number eight, specifically with the pictures. I think I do well in other aspects, uh, but I don't really do well on number eight. Um, and so, uh, 
But oh, anyway, she wanted to take pictures at the hockey game, and I don't, I don't always understand that. I'm like, we're wearing the same clothes that we were wearing in the picture that you took two months ago, uh, and we're at a semi-pro hockey game. Why in the fuck do you want to remember this? Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't get it. Um, I don't understand. So, uh, I have a hard time, but I have found more value in the pictures. You know, like especially doing the podcast stuff and some of the workout stuff. Uh, I want to remember these little moments. I want to have access to them. So uh, I have done a little bit better on that, and I will continue to do better on that. Uh, sorry, hiccup. Uh, yeah, do the things that she wants to do. And then last you know, little paragraph is, I ask you to hold me accountable to these eight promises and never let me stray from commitment. I'm so excited for this next adventure and so grateful that it will be with you. Yeah, uh, I'm asking her to hold me accountable uh, to these promises and I need to hold myself accountable. I'm actually going to, I'm going to do something. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to get these vows in a, in a format that, uh, they're not as hard to, to dig up. I think that's what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to do something cheesy, like put them up on a wall or, uh, which I don't think is, is too terribly cheesy. I think that, um, putting vows up on the wall is probably a good thing. That way you see them every time that you leave the house. Uh, I truly believe that, that these promises need to be in my head, uh, 24 seven and yeah, I'll, I'll fail on them, but, uh, I've been failing on some of these without even feeling guilty about failing on them. Um, and that's just a complete utter fail on my part, uh, to not take these promises as seriously as what they should have been and remember them and focus on them. So, uh, I'm going to do something. I don't know. I'll let you know what I do. I may post it, uh, but I, figure out how I'm going to make these, these vows a little bit more accessible. Um, so anyway, yeah, those were the wedding vows. That's what I told her I would do. And that's what I'm going to do. I will, I will hold these. I don't know that there's much really left out in these vows. I think, like I said, I think these are pretty, pretty solid. I think these are pretty solid. I could have had a little bit more foresight with children and said something about that. But, um, you know, I think children come later in a marriage and, uh, I think it's intentional that, um, I'm making these promises to her first, not, not kids. I, you know, maybe I do like the fact that I didn't make any promises about children because, uh, my wife is still, and this is hard for a lot of people to believe my wife is still going to come before my children. Uh, my children are eventually going to go and leave me and, uh, you know, go get married themselves one day. And what am I going to be left with? I'm going to be left with my wife. Uh, you know, I'm not married to my kids. I am married to my wife. So she comes before children. So I think I'm glad that I made these promises in here without any mention of, of kids. So anyway, guys, that's what I said I would do. Uh, that's what I fully intend on doing. When you go to write your vows, I hope that that gave you a little bit of an inspiration on what to, what to write, uh, what to be able to promise, uh, things to do, things not to do. Um, you know, I'm a fan of writing your own vows. I think if you do some premarital, maybe some premarital counseling and, uh, taking the, uh, the, the, the standard Christian vows, we took those two and I meant every word of them. Uh, but I didn't really understand what they meant. This, I fully understood what I was, what I was agreeing to when I signed on. Uh, I absolutely think that you should write, write out your own vows. And even if you base that off of the Christian vows, write out your own vows in words that you know what they mean. Uh, make promises to your wife or to your soon to be wife, uh, that you intend to keep and make them your own. Uh, I, I really like that. If we're talking about, we're talking about vows right now. Yeah. Uh, 
I really like that. Uh, I like that I did that. So, anyway, guys, that's what we've got. I'm super excited for this one flesh po uh, one flesh series that we're gonna have. I really, really think it's gonna be beneficial. I, I I'm so excited uh, for this. I've been excited for a couple weeks. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, and finally, Brett and I we had a call, and I said, "Hey, look, man, uh, I'm supposed to tee up all the pretty horses um, tomorrow, and." It's going to suck, and I don't think that we're going to get the benefit out of it. I think that one flesh is going to be so much more beneficial. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and, and start it? And he said, yeah, of course. He said, absolutely. So that's what we're doing, guys. I really appreciate it. Go uh, give us a like and a follow on Instagram. If you don't mind, review the podcast. If you've made it all the way to this point, um, go review the podcast. Uh, give it a five-star review if you think it's worth five stars. Uh, if you think it's bad, just don't listen. Please don't give me a one-star review. Don't be an asshole uh, unless you really want to. I guess you can. But, um, yeah, go give it a five-star review if you think it's good. Uh, get me up. Bump them numbers up. We, right now we've got rookie numbers. I don't even know what they are. But you got to bump them numbers up. And I know that a way to do that is uh, by getting reviews. Uh, go on Instagram, like my stuff, share my stuff if you think it's worth it. If you don't think it's worth it, go away. All right, guys. Thanks.